Hey everybody, welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of Reporting as Eligible. Um, the uh, the Tampa Bay game, we'll, we'll get to that in some detail. I'm Paul Newton, right for Acme Packing Company. Actually, back writing for the Shepherd Express as of today too. I have a column out there summarizing the game. Um, Congratulations. And, hey, thanks. Um, I'm just, honestly, I'm just glad that they are, they've weathered their storm a bit and are doing well enough that they can have contractors back. Um, so, hooray for that. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, nice to have another outlet and nice to have some an independent news source as always. More news is better. Um, anyway, uh, we have full boat. Everybody's back. It's been me and JR for a few weeks, but uh, but we got we got everybody. So um, in, in Tosa, as per usual, for many, many weeks in a row, we have... Hey, it's JR Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We, we did have Ryan last week, so it was, That's a, true. It was a crowded boat. It was not, not our usual boat. Yep. But it was crowded. Ryan subbed, did a nice job, um, as he as he usually does. So, and uh, and back joining us in his glorious return. Uh, my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, meme Smith for Acme Packing. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Meme Weaver. There we go. Acme Packing Company, uh, General Twitter Rabble Rouser. <laughs> and with that, half of the job of picking songs for the podcast is taken care of. Um, <laughs> Uh, gl- good to have you back. Missed you for a few weeks. Uh, it's a, uh, although I will say you're you're a curse now, unfortunately, since they did lose the game on the the week that we were doing back. fine without you. Uh, so <laughs> we, we do we do blame you a little bit, but uh, you know it, they were they were going to lose eventually. Uh, they they were not going to go sixteen and zero, especially with their defense being not great. But uh, it was weird to see the offense struggle quite as much as they did. <laughs> um, did not expect. So did not. You expect guys aren't going to blame top. Uh, yeah, we could blame, blame. You know, Ryan is the kind of a curse too. That's a good call. Um, I don't, we'll, I'll do a Twitter poll later of if it's you or if it's Ryan. But who do we blame more? Who do we, but it will be <laughs> Ryan. will definitely win that Twitter poll, so it's almost not worth doing. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We can put this to science. We're, we're men of science. We should test it scientifically. And there's nothing more scientific than a Twitter poll. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So the Adam Savage said the difference between science and screwing around is writing it down. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, kind of true. Um, Process documentation is very important. Um, This is very boring. Okay. Um, So the Packers got destroyed, just just (laughs) terribly, terribly destroyed. Um, Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions, including his third ever pick six, I believe, um, which is. Kind of crazy. Third, third ever pick six, yes. Yes. Basically, no other comparable quarterback has fewer than, I think it's 12. Um, I think Brady has 12 for his career. Rodgers takes such good care of the ball. And it was just weird to see him out of sorts. It was one of the worst games of his career by passer rating, by any metric. It, it's like a bottom five game for Rodgers. So um, I, I, I don't think any of us expected that. <laughs> um, and... Uh, it really seemed like Tampa Bay knew exactly what they were going to do at all times on defense. So um, it's it's a troubling one. I'm, I, <laughs> I think they'll be able to rebound from it. Not everybody has as good a defense as Tampa Bay. They came into the week number two in DVOA on defense. They're, they left as number one, I'm sure. 
And they have uh, just a very well put together team on defense too. Um, unusually crafted because their inside linebackers are dynamite, which we all saw in great detail during this game. Levante David is incredible and maybe one of the most underrated defensive players in the NFL. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't expect this at all. I thought that they'd at least be able to put up points and, and run um, run in a shootout with Tom Brady. And that didn't happen at all. Ugh, terrible. Um I don't know. I was intrigued by something you wrote, Paul, on Twitter about the inside linebackers. Uh, you're talking about Bonte David, Devin White in particular, who were just ridiculous. You, we've always talked about how the Packers at least view linebackers as sort of just whatever, like sort of the uh, <laughs> to make a baseball reference, like an offensive catcher. Like there's two or three difference makers, and everybody else is just kind of mess. So who cares? Let's not prioritize it. But especially because I know we'll always be coming back to this this 2020 draft mm-hmm. knowing a guy like Patrick Queen was available and they didn't they didn't emphasize this position because they never do it wasn't surprising you you sort of noted that maybe to have really that top tier guy a top I don't know 10 position maybe even a little bit better than that top 5 guy really does make a difference and maybe everybody after that is it's not so important but if you have one of those guys that really can transform a defense and that that maybe my understanding maybe something that you did, hadn't previously considered quite to that degree is that right? I think that's right. Um, we were talking about this on Acme Packing Company Slack a little bit when I made that tweet, and we kind of agreed that um, if if you can get like an av- if you can get a good inside linebacker, it's not that much better than an average inside linebacker. Like you're not going to get a huge gain from that, but it's really really important, or you know, it's a huge gain if you have one of those elite guys. And um, Sabermetrics teaches teach like treats all inside linebackers as basically interchangeable it, it preaches to de-emphasize the position and the Packers definitely do that like they're they're mainstream on not spending a ton of resources on this but they always get beat by it like the teams that that stop the Packer offense always have good inside linebackers almost as a rule like the 49ers had very good coverage inside linebackers last year and destroyed the Packers twice. The Bears routinely do. Um, uh, Roquan Smith is very good at that. Before that, in the heyday of the Bears, Brian Urlacher is one of the best coverage inside linebackers of all time, although he was pretty much good. That's because Brian Urlacher is just a really big safety player. He is just a really big safety. That's what he was in college, and that's what they turned him into. But like after you get beat by this position enough times, it, it starts to, you know, you got to take another look at exactly. Uh, if de-emphasizing that is the way to go. And um, part of it is the way that the Packers run offense. And they like to throw passes to these big guys who are who are mismatches for most linebackers and even some safeties like Robert Tanyan and you know um, various running backs, Jamal Williams, on the outside. The problem when you run into a team like the Buccaneers is their inside linebackers can cover all those guys. Um, and I wrote a piece a, a little while ago about how... Uh, revisiting the draft and how they didn't take receivers either. Uh, Patrick Queen, by the way, would have been fine, would, would have been nice to have in this game. But the other thing that would have been nice to have in this game is the ability to go four or five wide. And instead of having um, Devin White and um, Levante David matched up on on Tanyan or on Williams or on Jones or on Mercedes Lewis, um, have to make them cover a good receiver. That, that's something they're not as capable of doing, and that's how you deal with these teams. And it's it routinely hurts the Packers that they can't do that. And then on defense, you see the same exact thing. Like Tom Brady is the greatest underneath passer of all time, and uh, like Chris Barnes is a little better than we've had recently, but it's still a weakness for the team. And they just pick and pick and pick and get Gronkowski matched up on slower guys, and and that's all it took. So 
it was like the inside linebacker game to some extent. It really determined a lot of what went on. Um, and, and, and I think I would maybe start to reemphasize that, especially if teams start to copy Shanahan LeFleur more. This is going to be something that is problematic going forward for a lot of teams. Sabermetrics is wrong here. What would you think about moving to a full-time money backer, like a, like a day on Buchanan style? Like Raven Green is supposed to play that position, but he's not big enough. I, I think it's splitting hairs a little bit because you just need a guy that is big enough to do it and won't get hurt uh, by playing the position all the time. It, it's hard to find them. Like, it's hard to find guys athletic enough to do it and big enough to do it. That's why people don't do it more often than they do. But uh, I'd be fine with that. You just got to find the personnel to make it run. That's all. No, this the secret, Alvin Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's Aaron's brother, is it not? Twin brother. <laughs> I didn't know they were twins. They're oh, twins. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, so the Alvin is the proof, the the exception that proves the rule that you should not allow your your son to play running back and make them play linebacker. <laughs> yeah, because the twin that's a running back is much more successful. Uh, is Alvin officially on the team yet? I know that they were. Uh, no, but okay. they they just released some rando wide receiver from the the practice squad. Uh, the assumption is it's to make room for him. Okay. Also, by the way, had Robert Foster. They, they just signed a linebacker, a different one. Yeah, from the Falcons. He was a um, that's Bur- good three cone, bad everything else. Yeah, that's Burgess, right? <laughs> yeah, they certainly have a type. I made it. I made a joke earlier today that he re- he ran a six nine nine in the three cone. So obviously, Ted Thompson is still in the building. <laughs> that, that is what the Packers do. Um, I I did want to mention just. I think everybody should know who Tampa Bay's defensive coordinator is, which is Todd Bowles. And I think it's worth mentioning that because also um, the analytics folks like to focus on offensive minds. It's easier for them. It's easier to do. Like when you're on offense, you get to dictate what the plays are, what the philosophy is. And on defense, it really is kind of training guys how to react properly. And it's putting them in the right spots to some extent and having a philosophy. But like, this is one of the greatest defensive coordinator jobs I think I've ever seen, um, both in terms of understanding that the Packers do all this motion and all this lateral movement, both running and passing, and having those inside linebackers just kill everything, but also just, just great tape study and knowing exactly what they were going to do on every play. Like The second play of the game was like a, a screen out to Jamal Williams that Carlton Davis just knew they were going to do. Um, one of the... Yep. I think it was Dusty who pointed out that the Packers ran the exact same play against Minnesota. It might have been Fennel. I don't remember which one of them. but um, they, they ran the exact same play against Minnesota, like exact same thing. And it, it was clear, like Carlton Davis knew that play from tape study, saw it develop, and just busted right through the two guys that were supposed to be blocking before the ball was even thrown. Almost picked that play off. It was very close to an interception. So um, the Packers really didn't they i think matt lafleur i don't know i don't want to say he like got lazy i'm sure he just did his normal thing but uh one thing they might want to just do is start have have kind of a scouting metric for are we playing a good defensive coordinator or are we playing the bog standard nfl defensive coordinator where our stuff's just going to work because they don't have the horses to deal with it um I, I do wonder how much that occurs because this would have been a good game for some countermeasures you know some some against-type plays, and they just weren't in there, and everything got sniffed out. What do you think about, because inevitably, Devontae Adams back, having uh, having missed a couple games when the Packers really were clicking offensively, you're bound to get uh, a person or two suggesting that Devontae being on the field is a, is, is a 
detriment more than a, than a help, which of course I think we can all acknowledge is, is silly. Devante's <laughs> their best receiver and is one of their best players. And that should go without saying, but we'll say it anyway. Um, but the concern would be that maybe because Aaron Rodgers, you know, has such a good rapport with him and tries to shoehorn it in sometimes with Adams more so than he, you know, more, obviously that wouldn't be an opportunity for him if, if he's not on the field. Um, I think we saw that with the pick six, the, the, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog Aaron Rodgers for throwing an interception. You know, there's going to be one every 17 games, right? Like, <laughs> I am. That was a terrible throw. That was that a was terrible 100%. throw. It was really bad was. throw. And so shocking because he just does not do that. He does not make those throws. He doesn't make those like last second, you know, bad decision. It just doesn't happen. It was a, it was a, one of those throws that wasn't going to get you anything if he completed it, you know, it wasn't a big, big gain or anything. It was just, I don't know, weirdly lazy for Aaron Rodgers. but you know, he does not do that. You can't, you can't fault his style, but on that play, you know, again, it was like, we got to get Devonte the ball and, and Devonte had a fine game. I mean, he was, he was targeted a bunch, but it seems like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a ton of merit to that, but I th- I do think it's 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 at least worth raising. Does this does this offense slow to a halt when you've got a quarterback trying to find his guy over and over again? Yeah. Normally I would put a little bit of stock into that because I do think he sometimes forces it to Devontae too much. But in this particular game, the, uh, nobody else had a good game, uh, efficiency-wise or any other kind of wise. Nobody was open in this game. Um Except for Mercedes Lewis, he he was he was open that one time. Uh, <laughs> MVS was open that one time. MVS was open that one time, but uh, it was just a very well defensed game. And I think the other thing is Rogers took a bunch of hits in this game. I, I do think his uh, his goal line plunge and taking that shot may maybe can cost him because he was not the same player after that happened. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of uh, people uh, saying that he was playing with a concussion after that. I, I mean, you never know, but uh, there's a long history in the NFL of um, sort of being able to tell when quarterbacks, especially in the 80s and 90s, before we took this more seriously, got hit and then sucked after they got hit. And um, uh, what about uh, 2014 Seattle? Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, so we the the way the game ended, obviously, but Russell Wilson was a dumpster fire after Clay lit him up. He did. It was. And, that that's not good for you. You make slower decisions. You and Rodgers was also fading back on a lot of throws after that. Even if it didn't cost him, he, he definitely was feeling the pressure. Got his attention. The yeah, got his attention. He was right? scared. So yeah, he probably did force it to Devonte too much. But I don't think there were a ton of other reliable options there, and just nothing was working. Like um, until until they called off the dogs in the, in the second half, and AJ Dillon was able to run up the middle with impunity because who cares? Um, by the way, there's a right. stat floating around on Twitter that the Packers were super successful running in the A-gap in this game, which is technically <laughs> true, but almost all of those runs were A.J. Dillon after the fact. Garbage time. Yeah, garbage time does not, especially garbage time running when you're down by 28. Nobody cares about that. So pay no attention to that stat. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it would have been nice to not have to force to Devontae that much, but uh, there just weren't that many guys out there to catch passes. Really want Alan Lazard back, but it's going to be a while there. <laughs> They need him. The entire second half garbage time, according to to the way Archon sees it. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it was close. The, the Packers' win percentage was like 9%, I think, at halftime. Yeah, but it basically was. If you look at the win so percentage it. graph here, it, it crashed hard. Um, Patriots got the ball first in the second half, and as soon as they did something with it, the game was over. So, um, yeah, we, we still don't have a great sample size on Packers outside of garbage time. Just just the other way this time. <laughs> but, yeah, they played half the game in garbage time. So Still no one-score games? Yep. Um, the other thing, <laughs> still no one story, that's true. Um, the other thing about this game is, so the defense kind of took it on the chin a little bit in terms of um, just allowing a lot of points. 
But most of that was the offense's fault. I'd say the vast majority of it was the offense's fault. And they really played pretty well outside of a couple weird plays. Um, Mike Patton did pull a couple weird ones and decide to rush three on a couple of important third downs, um, which Tom Brady loves. Don't, don't do that to Tom Brady. He will take all the time you give him and pick out people and hit them in stride, which he did. And uh, the, the other big play was the Josh Jackson uh, pass interference penalty on Scotty Miller, which was uh. the, maybe the most predictable thing in the world. He is so awkward on deep plays. Just uh, I, I don't think he's going to make it. Um, <laughs> not not just the, the problem because he was decent. He was mm-hmm. before that play. He was, he was like Kevin Kevin King level decent was, and a really was. good tackler. Yep, but um, once again, Jair graded out by PFF is like the best corner in the league, and Chandon Sullivan graded out uh, once again as one of the best slot cover guys in the league. They didn't really do anything at either of those positions. My, even Mike Evans uh, only caught one ball for ten yards. Um, it, it, it was Brady just didn't have to do very much. The the, the Packard um, offense set them up nicely, and um, they were able to do enough running the ball to to grind it out. So the defense wasn't as bad as they looked. Um, still some weirdness, still some craziness, and still no pressure um, outside of blitzing. They still are getting no pressure at all. Um, a bunch of people crunch numbers on that, and they're basically uh, the Smith brothers are basically on pace to have half as many hurries as they did last year. I think last year they had 304 as a unit, and this they're on pace for 169 this year. Yikes! And, and Preston um, last year had 23 hurries and seven sacks uh, after five games, and this year he has seven hurries and half a sack. So Preston's just been a disaster. Uh, just, yeah, so the, no good there. It, it trickles down to Zedarius, who I think has played pretty well, but is, is getting double teamed without Preston doing anything on the other side. And with Gary Hurt, um, it, it's just hard to get a uh, pass rush. from. It, it's really a shame because last year the secondary was the problem. The pass rush was great, and it's really flip-flopped this year. So um, <laughs> it'd be nice if they could get that fixed, but he should really dial up, I think, a few more blitzes or figure out a way to get Preston out of there because it's not going to work very well against better offenses. Well, he's Thanks. cut at the end of the year, so don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what I was going to say. Two things about Preston. One is Eric Baranchik and Pete Doherty, their analysis at, J- or I guess it's jsonline.com, packersnews.com. For the first time I saw that Smith is, is a little bit heavier this year than maybe he's been in years past and that that might be slowing him down. There's another thing I'm not going to actually throw darts over is, is extra extra pounds. Uh <laughs> I know the feeling, no, uh, no shame whatsoever, but uh, that that might be contributing because something's up with him. I mean, at this point, the coverage thing was sort of the the way to describe it early in the year that he dropped back in coverage more, and now it's just not the case. He's just he's just nowhere to be found. And that's also but, he has fifty one coverage snaps this year after five games last year. He also had fifty one coverage snaps. Exactly the same. There you go. Yikes. Yep. And to Matt's point. I mean, I, I think people maybe are understanding this, but I don't know for sure. Like, there's no way he's coming back in 2021. They're, they're not going to take that cap hit unless he's a difference maker. And you can't you can't imagine he's going to be at this time next year if he's not this year. No, it, it's almost a sure thing at this point, unless he like, drops a bunch of weight and starts playing like his old self again. And it, hard to see that happening. It like, never happens. I also wouldn't be surprised if he was hurt. He's only 28. Guys usually don't fall off cliffs like this without some yeah. kind of extenuating circumstances at, at that age. It's very strange. It, it's really, really unfortunate because you can usually count on a guy like that to be good until he's like 30. And uh, it really just hampers the defensive front a ton without him. So um, he's a huge cap hit. I'm sure he'll be gone. They're going to be crunched. And um, if you're not performing and have a big contract, you're pretty much done after this year. So 
Unless Aaron Rodgers. Unless, <laughs> unless Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> yes. <sighs> oh, Aaron. I feel like we've been dancing around this central issue with the defense, and that is uh, that is that Mike Pettin is uh, I don't know, is he on the hot seat? Mike, is it possible Mike that the, the is. team would? Con- <laughs> Mike Patton is Dom Capers, but he stands on the sideline. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I can't imagine the Packers would even contemplate a midseason change at defensive coordinator if they didn't do so with Dom Capers the couple years before they ultimately decided to move on. But uh, I, know, I know one of your guys, one of your favorites is, is available right now. And, and another prominent defensive coordinator just got fired as a head coach and could conceivably be, be had if, if that's the direction they decided to go. So it feels like uh, the opportunity is there. The guys are out there if they decide maybe we just want to try something different for the second half of the season. Are you saying Bob? You want to hire Bob? Not oh, Bob. Oh, no, no, no. Nobody wants Bob on their team. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Bob later when go we back get to, to the Texans. But um, yeah, so Dan Quinn's available because he got fired by Atlanta. I'm not sure he's a good coordinator. I was looking at his history and um, his defenses seem to get worse when he joins the team and then get better when he leaves the team. So I'm not sure about that. But the one we're talking about is Wade Phillips, who has been unemployed since the Rams didn't renew his contract last year, which uh, was completely unjustified unless unless there's some issue with Wade Phillips that we don't know about behind the scenes, which is always a possibility. But uh, Wade Phillips' defense for the Rams last year finished ninth in DVOA. They finished 20th in points scored, and that was what was kind of cited as the problem with him. But the Rams wouldn't run a very high up-tempo offense. There's a lot of possessions that they have, and uh, they get into a lot of shootouts. So the other team is often throwing and trying to come back. So, yeah, they allowed a lot of scoring. But, frankly, Sean McVay had a much worse year than Wade Phillips did. The offense for the Rams declined much more than the defense declined, and that was uh, that was not a good dismissal. So Wade Phillips is great. Basically, everywhere he goes improves instantly. Uh, he does he doesn't always age that well, but a lot of that is due to factors outside of his control. He has over his long tenure as a head coach or not a head coach, a defensive coordinator, um, walked into situations where the head coach has gotten fired and he's had to take over as the interim head coach. And he's not that good at that. And I think I think Wade Phillips knows that at this point. Um, but he's he's like a great defensive coordinator and. He would instantly make the Packers Super Bowl contenders if he took over from Mike Patton because that's how much better at defensive coordinating he is than Mike Patton. Um, so they should they should do that. They won't. You never do it halfway through a year. Um, but uh, it's like Patton's holding them back. He's just not. He the Dom Capers comp is great. Um, it's like the same stupid thing. Like l- l- don't care about the run. Um, rely on splash plays and turnovers. Which by the way, n- they're not getting any of those this year either. They have like three forced turnovers on the year. I think two picks and a fumble. If memory Catch serves. the ball, Adrian Amos. And they, uh, and they were what like had like ten at this point. Twelve. Yeah, and oh, this is very predictable because turnovers are not um, something you can rely on from year to year. They're very dependent on the offense not executing properly. They're very dependent on your your schedule, the quarterbacks you play. You might remember last year the Packers played a bunch of crap quarterbacks. They played Kansas City's backup. They played David Blau and Jeff Triscoll and a bunch of trash. Um, and you get a lot of inter- interceptions when you play a bunch of trash this this year. Not the same. So not going to get as many turnovers. You cannot base your defense on getting turnovers in this day and age. That doesn't work. Uh, so Patton's bad. He's holding them back. And if they, you know, flame out in the playoffs, I mean, maybe they'll run into a juggernaut defense like they did this time and not be able to figure it out. But the teams that have beaten Tampa Bay this year uh, are teams with good defenses. That's the Saints, who pressured Tom Brady into two turnovers, including a pick six, and the Bears, who have a 
completely garbage offense, but we're also able to stymie the and hit Tom Brady a bunch of times, um, and they kind of choke that game because that's how the Bears rolled this year. But um, it's you need you need to be good at all this stuff to some extent um, because that's sometimes the other team's weakness. Uh, so uh, it, he's a big liability. Also, there have been some rumors that Lafleur's not happy with him. If you watched his. Um, his press conference after the game, he did not seem mm-hmm. happy with the defense. He made a comment about um, uh, someone asked him. I, sh- I should know. I forget who asked him, but about the passive defense, and he said, "Yeah, we got to look at that." Um, well, I think it was Nagler. Well, Nagler was that Nagler's said, good question? You, All right. Are you playing ten yards off on third and two? Yeah. Um, a, a very good question by Aaron. Um, well done there. Um, but uh, yeah, he he, uh, he seemed to not be. Uh, thinking very highly of Patton when he answered that question. So um, definitely hot seat, just not sure if it's hot enough to end him this year. Kind of doubt it. How often does a team get rid of a coordinator midseason? Uh, I can't think of it happening. But not the head, co- but yeah. not the head coach. I, I mean, I, I literally can't remember it happening, although I'm not sure how much yeah. it would stick out if it wasn't my own That's team, what I'm saying. You know, uh, but... Uh, the, I mean, the only possible, I mean, you could see it only because Lafleur. I mean, Lafleur didn't come in with Patton, right? Yeah, he inherited so, him. He's forced not, on him. It's sort of a forced marriage. So, you know, and, and now that Lafleur, I would assume, has, you know, if there is enmity between them, Lafleur has, you know, 13-3 and three in his back pocket plus a 4-0 and start to this season. I mean, he's probably got the leverage to say, look... We've we've given it a shot. If we want to take the next step, we've got to we've got to go somewhere some different direction. Does he have any connection in the past to Wade Phillips? I don't even know. I don't. Uh, well, he would have been at the maybe through the Rams. Yeah, through the Rams, they actually worked together um, on McVay's staff briefly. That did happen. So yes, he does. <laughs> um, and he also it's has possible Quinn. I don't, too, I don't know if it's so. probable, but it's possible. Oh yeah. Yeah, tw- uh, twenty seventeen. Yep. Um. Matt LaFleur and Wade Phillips work together with the Rams. Indeed. He's probably more likely do, than a lot of... Happen, but. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. It's probably more likely than it normally would be just because he didn't inherit him. And, I mean, if you are Matt LaFleur and you view your defensive coordinator as possibly costing you, like, postseason success, and, you know, if you get a ring, it's like it's like five years of guaranteed employment. So, you know, you got mm-hmm. to think, think like this, too. And if he's your big gut thing holding you back and... You got a guy out there who can replace him. It's possible, but probably not, which is unfortunate. Um, it's not like Mike Penn's reputation is based on a bunch of nonsense anyway. Um, I, of all the of, of all the people on that Jets staff with with Rex Ryan, he he always came across as the worst one to me. I would much rather have Jim Leonard. He's he's the best defensive coordinator in the state, um, and. Uh, it's uh, it's just too bad that we're saddled with yet another bad defensive coordinator. Also, Vic Fangio is probably going to be available at the end of the season too. So there'll be a lot of good ones available if you wait. Um, and didn't Fangio not take the job because he said that McCarthy was too mean to Capers? Uh was is did he, is that real? That's, that's what the rumor I heard. Okay, maybe so. The other thing, no, nobody wanted Vic Fangio. He's apparently a terrible interview. Um, and I think the only interview he had was Denver. So, um, I, I heard nobody even scheduled him other than that, but, um, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of a weird guy. What's Mike McCarthy doing? Meanwhile, <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, it's, it's man. like anything. It's, <laughs> it's football. It's like anything. And by like anything, I mean, um, not playing any defense <laughs> and running a milk toast offense that everybody understands completely. So, 
That is not it's a been, good situation. It's been five weeks and his players are openly revolting. Yeah. So someone needs to write like a play or a novel or something about the sleepover at Jerry Jones' house. I I really want to know what went on there that convinced him this was going to work. And also, I want somebody to ask Mike McCarthy what he actually did learn by spending time at the Pro Football Focus office because this is the same offense it's always been and it works as well as it always has. Like it's fine if you have all-stars, it's not great if you have Andy Dalton. So um it's have you not, have you seen the Joss Whedon version of Much Ado About Nothing? I have, it's great. Yeah, that's that's what I imagine the sleepover at Jerry Jones' house would be like. They should film, they should make that movie in that style, um, and they should get all the people. In yes. Fa- in, <laughs> they should get all the people in Avengers and Buffy the Vampire Slayer to to play parts in it too. Nathan Fillion should be Mike <laughs> McCarthy. That would be fantastic. I, I'm I'm on board with this happening. I want to produce it. <laughs> that movie is great. Um, by the so way. speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of of offense. The uh, the motion situation, the the not having Tyler Irvin meant they moved some things around on offense. They had Aaron Jones doing some of the motion that yeah. Tyler Irvin was doing pre snap. Jones and Jamal Williams on the on the field at the same time didn't really work. <laughs> uh, suggestion now that maybe Tyler Irvin has become more important than we think. I, I find that a little hard to believe, but they obviously had a lot of success moving him around. So maybe I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I do think that's true, but I I also. Um... I also think that the the speed on Tampa Bay maybe would have negated mm-hmm. it anyway. But Aaron Jones is not Tyler Irvin, and he doesn't deserve the same kind of respect. Like Aaron Jones is a good receiver for a running back down the field, but he's not that same kind of like tiny twitchy guy that is good in space as a slot guy like Irvin is. So you have to respect him in a different way. Um, and I, I kind of get why they abandoned it just because Tampa's defense is good at that whole lateral thing. Also, they didn't, uh, it's a little bit overstated how much they went away from motion. Um, now, I, I didn't look at like pre snap motion, not at the snap, but they average 11 snaps of pre snap motion um, so far this year, and they ran nine in this game. So it wasn't like colossally smaller. But there's there's a couple different kinds of motion and people track it differently and it's hard to parse. Like uh, this is one thing where the the charting community needs to agree on a definition because sometimes it's motion before the snap, but people are standing still at the snap, and sometimes it's motion at the snap too, and that different things and I don't know. But uh, but it certainly wasn't effective. It like it just didn't work. And everybody uh, the Buccaneers basically ignored it if it wasn't somebody who was a threat, and there weren't that many threats on the field. So um, not uh, not great. Irvin, I think, is important. He's a he's a hard guy to duplicate. I think Irvin is important in that he lets everyone else do their job. Yeah, like Aaron Jones can sort of do Tyler Irvin's job. Jamal Williams can not really do Aaron Jones' job. Also true. And then there's there's no one behind Jamal who can do his job. And then you don't have Alan Lazard. You, you have to play MVS in the Lazard role. It's just like everyone was playing a backup position against Tampa Bay. Yeah, it just went poorly it did and we, we also should just say like tampa bay, i know we've said tampa bay is awesome but the it's not just the packer offense that failed like elton jenkins gave up his first sack ever in this game um david bakhtiari was hurt in this game for part of it but also was getting run over pretty well uh, and it, it was just a tough matchup uh, i think it, it was maybe like it's cliche to say this is a wake-up call but it might actually be a bit of a wake-up call because it's the first real defense they've faced so far this year mm-hmm the oh my god rick wagner at left tackle 
faces a stunt blitz and lets both guys through. Yeah, you gotta pick one, man. <laughs> gotta pick one. <laughs> Just yeah, that's the worst uh, the offensive line has looked. Obviously, yeah. the uh, the Bakhtiari thing I feel like is be- being. A l- I don't know if we're panicking enough about that. That's you know, the, there's a chest injury, be a pectoral muscle, which is like curtains for the 2020 season, and yep. that would be devastating. I mean, we we don't know yet as we record this, so. <laughs> little little under maybe we just aren't panicking enough i feel i agree the, with that well i don't know after the game they said that it wasn't going to be a serious issue but then they haven't said anything since right like it, it it's one thing to have them say that but it's another thing to have them give no excuse for it like if it's just a pull or something like that why not say that it, it I would worry it's a little more complicated and is taking some deeper dive scopes to actually figure out and that's not good so um, I, I agree with you. There's no reason to panic yet, but usually if it's fine, they're pretty good about telling you, oh, it's it's actually fine and not radio silence for a couple days. <laughs> and that would be mm-hmm. devastating if he's out for any length of time. Like Just terrible. They're, they have good players on the offensive line, but it's not super deep. And if he's of course, Kid, I mean, moving Elton Jenkins to left tackle, they could at least they at least have somebody capable of playing a high level left tackle. We think, we think with Elton Jenkins, but then you need Lucas Patrick to be really good. I mean, Corey Lindsley's good in, in center, always will be. But you know, is Billy Turner your other guard and Rick Wagner? You know, like there's a lot of eh, on the so rest of the line. Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari just did a radio show today. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was on he uh, twelve twelve fifty. The fan. Did he say anything about his injury? Um, apparently he talked some mad crap about Ndamukong Sue. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just smart because that guy's... Uh, exact quote. Going into the game, our biggest thing was, you know, to keep him in check and make sure that, one, he doesn't get going because I think he gets... Uh, it just had to keep him in check. That's the main thing and make sure that he doesn't do anything because if we give him any bit of slack, he will, like you saw, he'll take any cheap shots. That's something that we knew going into the game and that he, when he had the opportunity to, would capitalize on. So I that's mean, apparently the big takeaway from Bakhtiari, not are you okay? <laughs> well, that's fun. Also, who cares? Uh, Dominican Sue is like not the guy you have to worry about on that defense either. So Okay, here we go. Uh, quote from Bakhtiari, it's definitely not season-ending. All right. I'm just going to take it one day, one step at a time. I'll be back out there. Uh, All right. I don't like that. I mean, so it's not season ending. That's great. Yeah. But like, it's, mm. like he's going to miss a game or more. Yeah, we're we're going to find out that he's going on IR for three weeks. Like, <laughs> yeah, we totally are. That that seems like that has that written all over it. Ah, all right. Because um, yeah, if if you're going to be back, you say you're going to be back immediately. Yep. Not it's not season ending. Not means, season ending means I'll see you in things. the playoffs. Yep. <laughs> All right. Should we should we move on? That's to a concern. Okay. Is. This is an audio podcast. You guys can't see Jr. is having an ulcer form like, <laughs> via camera. <laughs> I was just adjusting my giant blanket because it's cold in here. So I was <laughs> okay. For, on camera, it legitimately looks like Jr. Yep. is forming an ulcer in his stomach. <laughs> By the way, we got eight inches of snow here today, so um, can't live in a world without David Bakhtiari. Oh, it was seventy-two degrees here today. Uh, I'm in the wrong place. We should all move to Colorado. Although, and I spent the weekend drinking whiskey and hiking. It was awesome. Sounds good. It was nice. It was nice here this weekend. It's just snowing now, so um, and we'll be cold and snowy for the rest of the week. It's uh, winter starts early so, in Minnesota. We've we've beaten Tampa Bay to death. I think. Yeah, let's but, talk about more positive things like Houston. Really bad. 
<laughs> what about trade candidates last week, and you didn't bring up Wisconsin's native son, J.J. Watt? There's a should have. Houston's got. I mean, Houston's got plenty. Um, they're not managed by Bob anymore. So since they're not managed by Bob anymore, it's harder to trade with them. They're going to be um, gun shy about moving assets. But yeah, J.J. Watt is um, free and clear of guaranteed money. He's owed a lot of money. He's owed like 14 mil this year and 17 next year. But it's uh, it, it's all non guaranteed. And so he actually could be traded. He could be moved without penalty. So if he gets if he gets traded at the deadline, he will count eight million against the cap yep. this year, which is not bad for JJ Watt. Um, and no. obviously, I mean, that goes without saying, a huge difference maker on any defensive line. JJ Watt still one of the best players in football. Um, so that's a possibility. Kenny Stills also um, in the last year of his contract and can also um, be had if. If needed, and honestly, they don't really use him, so he's awesome. Um, <laughs> he would well, they've be. got they've got Cooks doing the Kenny Stills role anyway. Yes, they do, and uh, Fuller on the other side. So um, that would be another like they're a great <laughs> team to trade with. There's ah. so anyway, um, the you could probably get JJ Watt. You would fit right in. He um, you know has lots of time spent in Wisconsin. Um, Kenny Stills is. Also still very good. Um, he has a career 15.6 yards per reception average. He's a little light on catch percentage, but he also played a bunch of years in Miami with just garbage quarterbacks throwing to him, so that's excusable. When he played with Drew Brees, he was super great. Um, and when he's had any kind of good quarterback, he's basically been super great. So um, that would be a good one. The Packers need receivers, and um, he is freely available. It's just too bad that Bill O'Brien's not there anymore so that you can't... <laughs> Can't rip him off. Um, one of the reasons that this will be an easy matchup for the Packers is because Bill O'Brien just ruined this team by trading away assets for nothing. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, we all saw on Monday nights on the Cardinals, just just amazing um, running after the catch for that guy. Um, the, the Texans got back David Johnson, a kind of bad running back at this point. So um, Their defense is bad. They're pretty much just Deshaun Watson running around and making plays by himself and throwing the ball down the field. Um, Mike McCarthy should probably coach this team because that is <laughs> it, it, Randall Cobb's on the team. The, the quarterback just makes up the offense as he goes along. Um, it, it's it's perfect for him. So, um, But unfortunately, it's Romeo Cornell. Um, he's taken over for Bob, and this should be a piece of cake for the Packers. Um, this is the exact opposite of the Buccaneers. Their defense is trash. Their offense is... Um, just made up on the fly and there's no philosophy to it should be good good rebound game a good slump buster so um. <laughs> they have a tight end that can tear them up regardless of talent level uh, the Gronkowski isn't talented he's just you know not the guy you expect to shred you <laughs> true true um, there's just there's not much to to Houston like uh, they let Randall Cobb throw a pass last week. We should be wary of that. So amazing. Yeah. Texas Taysom Hill. <laughs> Texas Taysom Hill indeed. Would it be wouldn't it be Kentucky Taysom Hill? I mean, yeah, I just meant uh he's, oh, he's, he's currently now, now that he does everything that Packers fans can pine for him. Yeah. So uh, the one thing to be so, uh, one, really quick, and then I'll stop talking. The one thing to be a little bit scared about in this game. <laughs> Is Deshaun Watson being able to buy a lot of time and the Packers not being good at coverings? Uh, well, actually, Chandon's good at slot. But uh, if they can get Randall Cobb kind of in the running back space a little bit, um, that could be problematic. But as long as Chandon's healthy and on him, it should be okay. Okay, I'm done talking now. 
that's all I got. Uh, I was going to say a fun thought experiment would be yep. if we pretended that Bob was still there, what do you think it would take to steal the last bit of assets from that team? Like a second round pick. Um, for, for JJ Watt? For, I think for JJ Watt, you can get him for a second. Well, he's expensive though. Maybe a third. I mean, mm. they're not going anywhere. They got those guys probably want to save some money, get get picks. Um, and he, he, the fact that he's expensive means that there's not too many people who can take that contract on, especially next year. So I'm not even sure the Packers can do it, honestly. Uh, although you could do the trade and restructure, so uh, you could probably make that work if you want to have him for another additional year. So uh, I bet I bet a third. I bet you can get JJ Watt for a third if Bob's still there. I mean, you got Nuck Hopkins for a freaking running back. So um, I was going to say, like, what if what if you offered Jamal Williams in a fifth? <laughs> I don't think Jamal. So the problem with that is, like, David Johnson uh, was a good running back for a year and a half, and so when you call Bob and be like, "Hey, I'll give you David Johnson," he's like, "Oh, I know that guy. He's on my fantasy team. He's pretty good." Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll I'll do that deal. Whereas Jamal Williams, he's not he's not going to be like, "Oh, that guy's a good pass protector." Like that's not how Bob operates. You, you would maybe have to give Aaron Jones because I think he probably was on Bob's fantasy team too. Um, you have to give somebody he's heard of. That's the problem there, or or draft pick. Um, and I don't know who that's going to be. Trade him, trade him the rights to Devin Funchess or Kenny. <laughs> he probably would love Devin Funchess. Um, I, I wonder. If, just, you know what would have been good to do? They missed their they missed their window. Jimmy Graham should have sent Jimmy Graham last year when oh, they had Jimmy Graham because he would have eaten that up. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Oh well, that ship has sailed. All right. This has been the this has been the portion where we dream about ripping off a general manager who's no longer in charge of a team. So, um, but well, hey man, it's like it's like you always say that good GMs should constantly call bad GMs and just offer stupid trades. They should. It worked with Bill O'Brien so well. He, the gift they kept on giving, literally. Uh, all right. Should, should uh, I don't know. There's probably not too Let's much. Do else. questions. Let's do questions. Um, Questions, questions, questions. So, are are you doing? Uh, you've got Patreon questions first now. Is that yes, right? Yes, Patreon questions are first. Uh, yes, real quick. If you join the Patreon at patreon.com/slash Milwaukee Stalegate, um, there will be a post up after the Packer game every week. And if you ask your question there, you'll get priority. We'll definitely answer it on the show, as long as it's not like dirty or offensive. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll still answer Twitter questions. How um, many farts does it take to fart to fart? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we'll still Signed, an- Matt Matub. We'll still answer Twitter questions, <laughs> but if you do ask on the Patreon, we'll definitely answer your question. So that that's the, that is the deal. Um, and for- so let's start with PJ Wessels. PJ, how you doing? Uh, and he, I think he asked for this. Oh, look at this. So. <laughs> yes, yes. He's excited that this feature is added. We should all be very concerned about everything now that the Packers are not undefeated, right? Right? That's the question. It's always two schools of thought when this happens, because I feel like this happens a lot. The Packers start hot, and then they inevitably lose. And then there's the two camps. There's the, well, we've seen these problems, and now they've finally come to roost, mm-hmm. and we should actually be concerned. Or it's just one game. Every bad, every good team has these games. The The... 2010 Packers had like six of them. The you know the the team last year certainly had them. Even the 15 and one team lost to a team that wasn't very good. So uh, you know it's it's possible. Obviously, it's usually somewhere in the middle. I suppose this one is also somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I think the way to look at this is you know what the holes are, you know where they are, and what kind of teams will give the Packers trouble. And uh, it's not like they still can't be contenders, including legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Uh, part of winning the Super Bowl is is getting lucky with your postseason matchups and 
um, there's not a ton of teams that can do what the Buccaneers did to the Packers. So, like, you want to look out for certain teams. Like, I, I am when when Bears Week comes up, I'm a little bit worried about that one now because I do think sure they can stymie things like this. But but the NFC is not loaded with teams with the Buccaneers level of talent on defense. The 49ers get right. Maybe, but they actually lost lost a good amount of talent in the offseason. I'm not sure they have the horses to do that anymore. And most of the defenses um, of this caliber are over in the AFC. And that might be a problem in the Super Bowl, but you know what? I'll take that. That's fine. So they're still excellent. There's, yes. no, reason to, there's no reason to panic. That offense is going to be fine. They're still going to blow the doors off of the vast majority of teams. And they, yeah, they got to fix the defense. They got to get that to come around somehow. But even there, like the pieces are there. It's pretty obvious what the problems are. It's it's Preston Smith. It's a lot of pass rush. Um, but they're still in good shape. They're still a very, very good team. Matt's laughing. Yeah. All right. This in the last 10 years has happened twice and did not work out well either time. I mentioned the 15-1. and one. The Chiefs gave the league the blueprint on how to beat the unstoppable 2011 Packers, and the Giants did it. 2015, the Broncos broke Aaron Rodgers. They did. Gave the, gave the league the way to beat Mike McCarthy. Yep, it only takes one in the playoffs, but you know sometimes you avoid that one. And that's what <laughs> this is what is terrifying me. I made, I've made so many comparisons, this team to the 2011 team. <laughs> and to me, this is the Chiefs game. Well, that could be, but they also went 15-1, and one and it, it, was, it was right there for them. So I'll even take that. <laughs> Stupid Eli. Stupid Eli. That, that stupid Giants team. <laughs> Hate them so much. The, <laughs> like the worst recent teams to win the Super Bowl. So, so annoying. You know what? At least they know the, the um, Patriots too. Yeah, the 2011 team, I think, was the by DVOA the worst team to win the Super Bowl maybe ever. Uh, it was close. Team it, sucked. It, yeah, that was awful. Just awful. Team sucked. Yep. Jay Google <laughs> asks, what happened to the crossing routes, misdirections, and running the ball in the second quarter? Did they have the ball in the second quarter? I don't recall. Not really. For like two minutes. Um, and we, we, we did talk about this a little bit already, but it, it really was just not a good game for for a horizontal motion to work very well. Uh, honestly, one of the ways that you would attack... Uh, so if I, was co- if I was coaching the offense and I got to give input to Matt LaFleur... Like, this is a game where you want to force things vertically, both running the ball and passing the ball. And don't run the ball very much. Because as good as Levante David and Devin White are, they weigh like 230 pounds. They're teeny tiny inside linebackers. And uh, it's a lot easier to attack those guys running straight at them than running to the sideline and trying to sprint outsprint them to the sideline. That works far less. Um, likewise, am, I, am I the only person who is upset by A.J. Dillon's big run? Um, that he didn't break where, it because he was like he tried to he tried to juke Levante David instead of instead running of him over. over. Like him. you've got yeah. you've got forty pounds on the dude, just hit him. I was I was not mad at it because the game was not going going well, but yeah, he but, should, should trucked him. Yes, you're right. R- rookie Eddie Lacy house is that absolutely hundred percent. Um, but likewise, like attacking them vertically with the passing game is also a good idea. They're very good at taking away underneath stuff at running sideline to sideline. The, the only place they really are vulnerable, and this is in their charting, is, is deep, and especially deep left. Um, you know, their corners are all very good, but you don't want to go at, uh, at Carlton Davis as much as the other guys, even though they're also good. But um, a lot like the 49ers, where Richard Sherman is vulnerable deep and really nowhere else, that's where you want to go with the, with the ball, and same with the, same with the Bucks. Uh, you want to run forward and pass forward far, and that's kind of it. So um, 
that's why the horizontal motion did kind of go away and was ineffective. It's the Buccaneers' strength, and you're playing right into their hands by doing it. Carlton Davis is a baller. He's I honestly great. didn't he know is, a lot about him. Um, I didn't either until I started looking into charting data and stats for this week. But basically, outsiders, um, like positional data, splits, and PFF grades, all agree he's like one of the five best corners in the league. Takes up a huge amount of field just by himself and just shuts down anybody he happens to be on. So that guy's great. Yeah. Never underestimate uh, Jerry Eldred also asked about Avoiding the pre-snap motion, is Irvin really the only guy on the roster who can go in motion? We kind of <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. And and yes is the answer. He is. No. <laughs> Jonathan Deal says, with the exception of a close Eagles loss, all of the losses under LaFleur have been almost formulaic. Is there a problem with game plan scheme, being outcoached, outmanned, or bad luck against hot weather teams on the road? <laughs> uh, it, I, I'm not... It is kind of weird that they tend to get blown out when they lose, and I'm not entirely sure what it says about the team. I think it probably says more about the defense than anything. Um, yes, the the defense is designed to play with a lead. It's simple as that's really it. Like they're not built to come back, and and once you get behind and that run defense gets exposed, it's just gonna steam steamroll <laughs> from there. Um, so yeah, that, that I mean that's really the answer. They're built to play with the lead. They're not built to, to do anything other than that. It it's the big can't stop the run thing. And, uh, you don't expect it to change. They're they get behind and they're gonna lose. <laughs> All right, I think we got we got one more of these, and then I think we can probably wrap up for the evening. Um, Tyler G, by the yeah, way, from Tyler G with a with a DM. You can also something you can also DM me questions if you want. Totally fine. <laughs> this is something good and or bad the Packers are doing that is not being talked about enough. That's their good... punting wasn't great. Punting was punting was bad. awful. JK's... JK Scott was bad. Yeah, uh, I did have some people point out there was a lot of wind in the stadium apparently, um, and yeah. the, the other punter, the, the Tampa Bay punter, also had a bad game. Um, but but JK not great. Um, that's a that's a bad one. Uh, I'd say a good one that we talk about on this pod, but I still don't think it's enough attention is that Chandon Sullivan is apparently awesome. Uh, he has <laughs> for several weeks in a row now graded out as the either best or f- one of the five best slot corners in the league. And again, um, on Scott Miller, who's very good when he was on him, basically shut him completely down again. Um, the only time he did anything was a PI penalty when he was being guarded by Josh Jackson. Uh, and, it's nice to see a guy step into a bigger role and basically not lose any effectiveness. So um, that guy's great. Uh, the whole secondaries uh, outside of Darnell Savage has been very, very good this year, and it's been undone by the lack of pressure. So um, that that kind of answers both of your questions in a nutshell. There. <laughs> well, also, uh, MVS has been not terrible for two games in a row. Yeah, he was okay running non-MVS routes. He was at least somewhat decent. I'll give him that. But and then Rodgers missed him on the one thing that the MVS does well. Yeah, that did happen. Rodgers not great deep. Yeah. Uh, just, just terrible. You know what? That that route was gorgeous. Like I, I, I crap on MVS a lot. But I, I want all of you. This is your homework. If you made it to this point in the podcast, <laughs> I want you. To, I want you to go back and watch that incomplete pass to MVS deep. He's in the two spot. He uh, takes a step outside. A corner tries to take outside leverage, and then he runs a deep crosser. It's it's a gorgeous route. He knew that the corner couldn't run with him, and he just accelerates and beats him. It's it's awesome. Yeah. MVS did the thing that he was supposed to do. 
Aaron Rodgers missed him, and it made me very sad. That is. But well, also, it was a weird angle. Some people were saying he should have dove, but yeah, it was that's, really that's hard the other to tell if that would have worked. Yeah, but people are saying he didn't dive. I don't, I don't know, but I also know that MVS never dives. He so. does not. Yeah, that's not his game. <laughs> so maybe I do side with the naysayers. But still, it's a great route. I want everyone to go watch it. And I want you to at me with your angry J.J. Watt takes and with how great that route is. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, there's not really any secret things that they do bad. Um, like all the bad stuff gets pointed at. People seize on bad things, so everybody knows about them instantly. Like it's Savage and Preston Smith and um, stopping the run. So that's really it. And uh, Chris Barnes, good surprise so far. He graded out badly by PFF. Uh, here's one of those. This quick uh, be skeptical of PFF grades. Like they can be useful. It's nice to have somebody doing charting for you. But uh, he got docked a lot for failing on his blitzes, which, you know, fine. It's not great to fail on your blitzes. But he's not really there to do that. Uh, he's there to be fast, uh, fill holes, stop the run, and cover. And he actually did a halfway decent job at that. Like, Tampa Bay did not actually run super efficiently. They happened to be ahead. They ran well enough to grind clock. But they've had much better running performances than they did against the Packers, which is kind of nice to see. And Chris Barnes was a big part of that. So he still played pretty well. But maybe don't ask him to be the blitzer. Get somebody else to do that. You shouldn't grade a fish on its ability to climb a tree. Exactly. Not to, not the point. Good <laughs> good, good little metaphor. Very wise. Yeah, my, my, wife's a, my wife's a teacher. That was the no child left behind um, moniker. Oh, nice. All right. So. Before we get out, does anybody have anything they would like to plug? JR, any good stuff? I mean, like a broken record here, but I'll just go back to my uh, my series on the 2010 team going week by week through the Super Bowl season this week. I happened to be a pretty bad loss to a team from Florida. The, the, uh, the, that was Miami in this the case. The crazy and, Dolphins uh, loss to a D- Dolphins team no one remembers. I, I read it and I had to go look at their roster and it is... It, it is weird. <laughs> wasn't wasn't Ricky yeah. Williams on that team? <laughs> he was. Um, yes. That was Ricky Williams. Chad Henney. Chad Henney, the quarterback of that team, yeah. Um, Underrated Packers draft miss was drafting Brian Brom one spot ahead of Chad Henney, who is not by any means a world beater, but would have been a perfectly serviceable backup quarterback for many, many years. <laughs> now, maybe if, they, maybe if they draft Chad Henney, they don't end up, you know, like, going the path they went yeah. so it's probably best i'm that, okay uh, with that um but- so in in 2010 my brother-in-law's fantasy team name was that thing got a henny by the way <laughs> by the way just to bring this back really quick because I, I prepared this and then i forgot about it um the uh the secondary coach an assistant head coach on that dolphins team that beat that packers was todd bowles Ooh. oh yep that's amazing. Yeah. So if you're wondering why they did have some success against a very good Packer offense, that is one of the reasons why. Their defensive coordinator was Mike Nolan, yeah, so, but he was uh, prominently involved in the defense there. Nolan not having a good uh, 2020 either. No, he so is, uh, he's not. Todd Bowles much better. Times. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that 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 game is the one we looked at this week. The Packers are three and three at that point in the season. They are left for dead. Nobody thinks they're actually going to the playoffs anymore. It's it's a tough time. It uh, it took a little bit of a U-turn from there because the week after this is the game against Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings. A uh, little little bit of an atonement uh, coming up for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, things are about to pivot in the in the parallel universe ten years behind us. 
so that's at jsonline.com. We obviously have a lot of coverage right now of the early election, early voting that started Tuesday on the news side. So I was involved with that a little bit. And uh, on the sports side, you know, not a whole lot going on because the Brewers are done and the Bucks are done. But uh, but the Badgers are firing up Friday. Yeah, so Badgers I know there's going to be Woo, against Lovey. Yeah. Yes, yes. Speaking of former Packers nemeses, so uh, so that will be going on. They need they need to atone for a bit loss to Illinois last year. Illinois is not a bad team. I, I know most people think Illinois usually sucks. They do usually suck. That's true. But uh, but they they got a lot coming back. That's a I think actually a very compelling opening game for I, a Badgers team I that should actually that. be very good. Yes, if you subscribe to Andy's newsletter, you can do the prop bets for that game. And uh, Wisconsin is favored by twenty three and a half, and I took the under on the prop bets. It's ridiculous. Yep, it is ridiculous. Oh, Lovey, yeah, that's a terrible line. Lovey can still it took, us, defense, it took us an hour to mention Andy Schaff. No, we did it earlier in the pod too. So yeah. we're good. Um, did we? <laughs> that's right. Maybe that was in pre-show. I think banter. we did that we off. Did, we did that off mic, mic man. We, we spend all pre-show banter talking yeah. about Andy, um, so sometimes we forget about. <laughs> Shit, we're obsessed. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, I think it, I think the line last I saw did recoil to twenty points, but that's insane. I, I think it's yeah. going to be a great game. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm looking forward to this week. Lots of uh, Badgers coverage from Jeff Patrikas again at jsonline.com. I mean, it's not like we have a lot of access to this team. We don't know a lot about it. So I'm I learn a lot from reading these stories because there hasn't been a ramp up to this. There aren't practices that people are watching. There's just like little tiny video clips of practice. That's the best thing we have and <laughs> and Zoom interviews. So it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating. We're going to learn a lot on yeah. Friday night. Nobody knows anything. All right. Meme Weaver, you got anything going on? Uh, the return of hottest take of the week this week. I took last week off because I was out in Buena Vista hiking and drinking. Nice. Um, I'm going to be insufferable this week. <laughs> it's just going to be nothing but I told you so. Always fun. Hot take of the week is great. Go check it out. Um, I have a piece going up on Todd Bowles and about um, a coaching metric that Josh Hermesmeyer of 538 put together, um, which combines all of the things we know smart coaches do into one metric. But it leaves all these good defensive coordinators off on the side um, as if they're stupid. And I wanted to f- give, give some love to all the good defensive teams. Um, and uh, I will have a piece later on this week previewing the Texans and all of their statistical um, issues they have. It, the, Tampa was a fun chess match. This is going to be more like, I don't know, hi-ho, cherry shoots and ladders, something along, more along those <laughs> lines. Um, but, but, but it should still be fun. So. Um, Anyway, thank you all for joining and listening, um, and we will talk to you again next week.